just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, uh, sponsorless as always. I'm Jacob Krasno alongside my trusty co host, Sean Haspel. Uh, we're back from the dead. Yeah. We went away for a while. Life life happens. We're not professional podcasters yet. 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 So had some stuff to take care of. Of course, we decided to go on a hiatus immediately after having the biggest guest we've ever had. And really the only guest outside of our dads. Uh, that would be Ralph Marlboro of Saints Happy Hour podcast. It was kind enough to come on and chat with us for a whopping two hours. But now we're back. Um, and, uh, also literally immediately after that last podcast, Derek Carr signed with the saints and, uh, don't want to bury the lead here, Sean, but there's been a lot of movement. A lot of stuff's happened in the last couple months, basically like the entire off season happened and we did not record yeah. a single podcast to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, the who nation is stumbling has been stumbling around through the darkness of misinformation and disinformation the last couple of months because black and gold BS has been on a, on a hiatus. And I'd like to apologize to our listenership and the fan base writ large for our uh, lack of consistency, our lack of diligence in serving you, our loyal listener. This is a, a presumably plural. Um, but yeah, a lot of shit's happened, man. Um, the Saints, like, was it a day or two after we recorded our last episode? Um, I think it was literally signed, the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We signed Derek Carr. And um, uh, the team, the front, both front office coaches and players, and obviously the fans, hope that we found our new franchise QB, um, which we haven't had since, since Drew's retirement a couple years ago. Uh, whether that's the case or not, it will seems to be seen, you know, um, I think you, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but reports out of, uh, many camps and OTAs have been really positive and the, uh, the Kool-Aid is flowing. Um, yeah, the kind of, uh, general consensus among the media is that there are like really good vibes coming out of Saints yeah. minicamp, which just concluded last week. Uh, Derek Carr, he seems to be the real deal. You know, um, Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football is kind of the uh, goat Saints beat reporter. And he is like really impressed with the mm -hmm. things he's seen and heard from Carr. And I don't know, man. I kind of want to remain cautiously optimistic after the QB hell we've been right. in, in the last two seasons, but it's exciting. Like it's exciting. I'm excited to see him play. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I'm kind of in the same like guarded optimism boat that you're in. Um, 
if our listeners remember our prognostications and predictions ahead of last season, I think we we're <laughs> our optimism uh, obviously turned out to be unfounded um, for the most part. So I'm I'm not ready to get hurt again, but I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, and all we can do is see how things unfold, but and just observe the objective uh, observations around the rest of the team, you know, um, and like we can dive into all the moves we've made in free agency in the draft um, in our last pod and how the, the depth chart is, is shaping up. Um, Cause obviously, I mean, a team is only, is only as good as its players and its coaches, which is another uh, topic of discussion for sure. But it, a lot of it does kind of begin and end with the trigger man under center, you know, um, Derek Carr, he, uh, he's been a player who's had his ups and downs. Um, the last couple, last season was, was a down year, but, uh, the saints are betting on that. That was more of a product of the Raiders being the Raiders and Josh McDaniels being, um, just kind of the overrated offensive guy who can't really thrive outside of Bill Belichick's system. Um, that he's been so far in his career. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, that being said, I mean, there are a few objective facts about Derek Carr and I think he like leads the NFL in comebacks, uh, since what, 2014 or something like that, or fourth quarter comebacks, game we drive. I don't know. Yeah. He it's, has it's over 40 of them, I think. Yeah. He's, he has delivered some truly clutch performances, that um, we would want to see from a, a franchise quarterback, especially one taking over from Drew Brees, um, at least spiritually. Uh, and and yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, the exciting thing about him to me is that he has shown that he can be an MVP caliber quarterback. Like he's obviously had more down years than up years, but was it the 2016 season that he, he was like in the MVP conversation and the Raiders were a playoff team. Yeah. Um, and like Jameis never did that. Like Jameis no. had years where he threw for 5,000 yards and 30 plus touchdowns, but they were never good. Like the bucks were never right. good. The Raiders right. were good. Um, and he also has yet to play with like a good defense. And I think the, the floor for DA's defense is going to be somewhere in the teens and yep. that plus a competent offense probably equals playoffs in the barren NFC landscape. Right. So like, I, I'm confident that Car like Carr has it in him with the right people around him and like the right amount of support from the defense to like elevate the team to like playoff contention at right. the very least. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's so funny because like, I mean, as we're talking like throughout this preseason and like what we think this saints team is going to be and ultimately become, um, 
it's funny because I feel like I'm just having massive deja vu or some like kind of groundhog day effect because so much of what we think the Saints team should be is what we said about the team last year. In like, I mean, even just from a high level view, the whole idea that like DA our defense is going to be good and we just need competent offense to win a lot of games in a bad division. So the threshold to make the playoffs by winning the South is low. And we obviously like the offense shit the bed last year. The, the defense was bad to, to start before they found their footing. And, but the NFC South was as bad as we thought it was going to be. And this year, so much of it is the same. The Bucks got worse. The Falcons have made some improvements, but I still think they'll be bad. Uh, the Panthers have made some improvements, but I still think they'll be bad. And Derek Carr really is kind of that big theoretical differentiator for us in that I mean, he is kind of the key to providing that at least consistent level of offense to complement what we think will be a strong defense to produce an overall winning team. Yeah. And I mean, and I think, I don't remember if we talked about it, oh no, because the schedule wasn't out yet, but our, our schedule is one of the easiest on paper in the whole league, both based on how teams teams records last year, their past performance, but also their like Vegas and like ESPN FPI and all those like predictive metrics, the win totals, et cetera, for our schedule going forward is like top three easiest in the NFL. So like the bar to clear is low and unless Carr is a disaster, we reasonably and or uh, Dennis Allen, I literally forgot his name. Dennis Allen <laughs> doesn't <laughs> doesn't improve himself and his and his staff as well. Then, like we should clear those bars. I mean, it's almost as if Mickey Loomis and ownership, by extension, have said like. As much as we wanted DA to be fired, they basically said, like, all right, Dennis, like, we gave you a mulligan. We have allowed you to get your quarterback and, and like, spent to get your quarterback. We've allowed you to address what you felt were your biggest needs um, in terms of reshaping the roster. We totally revamped our D-line in both free agency and uh, the draft. Um got added some secondary help as well um and then uh, i think just as big uh we allowed da to bring in like his guys and the coaching staff especially on the defensive side of the ball um some interesting names brought in uh to be our assistant coaches um, on offense as well and so it's like da like this is it man like couple like all of what we've got going on in the airline coupled with the macro environment of, of a pretty easy schedule and division, like this is it buddy. And so I don't know if they've set 
minimum benchmarks that he has to clear and like discuss that with him or if they have that in their heads or if it's more of just a sense it's like but i mean i think i think we might have said this before our hiatus but playoffs are bust man like yeah it's really it's really that simple um because yeah. the winner of our poo poo division once again will be at worst the fourth seed and um i mean say what you will about being an actual contender i mean i i, I think we can expect the eagles the niners the cowboys to all be strong again but outside of that like the nfc isn't anything special like so uh we ex- i think we can expect um the vikings to regress uh to the mean they won an insane amount of close games last year and obviously got exposed in the playoffs there but like they are one of the hardest teams on paper on our schedule and we were over expecting them to regress so um that just goes to show the weakness of our schedule and the weakness of the nfc again so man i don't know yeah it's like so we were kind of uh we were uh like unicorns in the uh cry to have dennis allen fired last year like most people it seemed like just hated him irrationally um but like we never wanted him to fail like we never were like rooting against him you know we had our doubts but like of course we want the team to win and i think the uh the immediacy bias of like watching Mark Ingram fucking butt fart himself out of bounds has like subsided. Uh, (laughs) Like I'm, I've forgiven DA and have moved on. I want him to do well, but given all the things that you just outlined, if there is another catastrophic injury or the team just underperforms, like things are going to get ugly. Like, I don't know if he would survive missing the playoffs this season. And I don't even want to bring that up because we've invested, the team has invested so much in DA's vision this off season to blow it up after like one year. That would really suck. Like, I don't even want to think about what that would look like. Um, But let's talk about some more of like the positive things that have happened. Um, Knock on wood, but no one's been arrested so far um right yeah alvin's yeah alvin's trial i would say is probably the biggest yeah off-field issue looming over the team Um, and he's for sure getting suspended but like kendra miller you know when we drafted kendra miller i was like who the fuck is that and then within 30 seconds of watching his highlights i was like oh my god this dude is coming for Kamara's job. And he said that like he's has actually been quoted as saying that in the media, like he is a Kamara yes. clone. Yeah. He's a violent yeah, yeah, runner, sure. and he was very yeah. prolific. Like he's, he's going to be good. And uh, like, you know, along the same lines, keeping in the running back room, like Jamal Williams is like an exciting player. He led the league in touchdown runs last year with 17 he's a stud. Like he's always been a stud and those two are going to be relied on to carry the load. If, and when Camara is suspended and 
he's old anyway. So we don't want him to have 300 plus touches. His body's going to fall right. apart. It's right. this is looking like more of like the 2017 setup with our running backs or, and even going back further to the breeze days, um, like the early breeze days, especially in years like 2009 or 2011, there were three running backs that, that took like a majority of the touches, you know, especially in 2011, you had Ingram, Pierre Thomas and Darren Sproles. Um, And really, if you think about it, we have four, if you count Taysom Hill, because he's, He's basically just a running back at this point. So, yeah, and like Michael Thomas has been around. He seems like he's getting healthier. Chris Olave, by all accounts, appears to have taken the next step. Um, we signed Foster Moreau, who miraculously like beat cancer. There's There's like a lot of good vibes on this offense and a lot of weapons that we haven't had for the last two years, you know? Yeah. Un- unless they all get the plague, then like gone are the days of Marquez Callaway having passes bounce off of his face mask and into the waiting arms of a linebacker. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the work we've done um, both through the draft and free agency to up- upgrade our, our skill positions, um, bring back Michael Thomas, uh, locking in uh, Jawan Johnson and bringing in Foster Moreau. Uh, the Jamal Williams seal drafting Kendra Miller. Uh, you have to like our, our skill position um, weapons more than we honestly have had in the last couple of years. I mean, I think like you said, like Chris Olave, he's ascending an ascending player. Like all of, I mean, obviously he was a thousand yard receiver as a rookie, which is all, always a promising thing to see. But like even beyond that, like all of his advanced stats, um, like his, I don't, I don't know the acronyms and stuff, but he projects to be a great receiver, um, in the NFL and, uh, um, he's working on his contested catches and his strength that he did have a few uh, fumbles that we were pretty upset about last year and, and drops drops as well. So hopefully that's something he can work on. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, our quarterback position, our skill positions, um, you've got to like where, where, where they're at, even with a potential Alvin Kamara suspension and obviously Michael Thomas's health questions are um, going to be a prove us wrong type situation. Um, I do think probably the biggest question mark hanging over the offense that will ultimately decide uh, outside Derek Carr, obviously um, how productive we are is the O-line. Um, right. They've got to be healthy. A lot of, they have to be healthy. Yeah. A lot of health questions there. We still haven't really seen, what Trevor Penning can do. He missed the vast majority of his rookie year. Um, uh, Eric McCoy and Andrews Peter were coming off injuries. Caesar Ruiz's as well. <laughs> I think Ramchek was banged up last year too. So um, I think all those guys are on track for training camp. Um, so uh, that is encouraging, but, and James Hurst is back is kind of like our, our sixth man. And, and people are really high on Nick Saldaveri. Um, the the small school alignment that we drafted this year. Um, we signed Billy Price, another Ohio State guy, as well to provide some depth. Um, so between so between Hurst, Price, and Saldaveri, we do have some depth there. But the hope is that we, we really do see Trevor Penning um, because of what we invested in uh, in terms of draft capital. Um, 
but we do think he can be a difference maker. Um, this is a big year for Cesar Ruiz since we didn't pick up his fifth year option. Uh, so it's a contract year for him. And this is also probably Andrews Pete's last year as a saint. Um, so uh, hopefully we can get a good year out of him and then uh, maybe turn it over to Saldaberry uh, moving forward. But uh, yeah, lots of question marks on the O-line, but if they're all like healthy and, and playing up to a lot of their Pro Bowl credentials, first round uh, pedigrees, then um, then yeah, I think this could be a, be a special offense. And But again, a lot of it is going to come down to uh, Pete Carmichael and, and the offensive staff hopefully maybe trusting their playmakers more and, and getting more out of the quarterback position than they had the last couple of years because, uh, yeah, it was not not fun to watch a lot of times last year. I mean, as, as encapsulated in that Week 17 game, that just perfectly crystallized all of our offensive issues. Yeah. You know, maybe this is like a pie-in-the-sky theory. Maybe I'm, like, completely out of my mind in, in thinking this, but... I wonder if like, I would be interested to see if there's like a correlation between how long a quarterback holds the ball in the pocket and like injuries on the offensive line, because Breeze notoriously would get the ball out like in, in record time. Like he, that's why he was rarely ever sacked. Like he was either throwing it to one of his reads or he's throwing it away. Um, But like Jameis and, and Dalton, like they're sitting back there surveying the field. They're not making decisions as quickly as Breeze or as a Derek Carr type who his work ethic and his football IQ has been often compared to Breeze. Um, and then also like when you have an offense that's stagnant and you're not putting people in motion like we used to and your play calling becomes predictable and you can just kind of tee off on the offensive line. Like if you're a defensive player or defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, like if you're like does that contribute to injuries on the o-line as well if like people know what's coming and they can be more aggressive like i i'm just i'm sure it's like impossible to track stats like that but it's just something i i wonder like if your offense is unpredictable and it's quick and the offensive linemen are not engaging in opponents physically as long as they would if if someone like a Jameis or a Dalton is kind of running around trying to figure out what to do, like, I don't know. Are the injuries less frequent? That's actually fascinating. I, I wonder, you should like lob that to Underhill and see if like, <laughs> I feel like that's like something he would like, like be intrigued by to, to compare like average release time of like Saints quarterbacks at least. Yeah. Um, and then like, I guess the metric would be you wouldn't want to do like games missed by O lineman because obviously like one severe injury could like wipe out a season. You probably would just want to do like noted injury, like recorded injuries. Sure, because all that's like, tracked, like, like people showing yeah. up on injury reports and missing games and yeah. stuff. Yeah, because if you think back to years like the two great breeze years, twenty eleven and two thousand nine, they basically yeah. started the same five guys on the offensive line all year long. And that was like the peak yeah. of Breeze ripping people apart. Um, yeah. And 2009 was really interesting. That's an interesting case study because the offensive line did suffer a catastrophic injury in training camp. We lost Jamal Brown, the left tackle. 
who, and Jam- who we all thought was the best player on that line. Yes, Jamal Brown was a fucking stud. And he got replaced by Jermon Bushrod, who was like some small school mid-round draft pick. Nobody thought he was going to be anything. And then he turned out to be like – yeah, he turned out to be one of the best offensive linemen in like the history of the franchise. But it does beg the question, like, is the greatness of the offensive line because they're great or because Drew Brees allowed them to like not protect him for very long because he, he would just get the ball out super quick? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, that definitely had something to do with it. I mean, like – Tampa's O-line last couple of years hasn't been like amazing, but like Brady get the ball out insanely quick. And so he's never sacked. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like, <sighs> I guess this is me sort of, uh, if you read between the lines, like Derek Carr is a quarterback that is somewhere between breeze. And then like the QB hell we've been in. So yeah. I think you're going to, People are going to think that the offensive line is playing better this year if Carr is indeed what everyone thinks he is. Right. But it could be a product of Carr. Yeah. And also, like, the offensive line being shitty and being hurt might not be, like, entirely their fault either. It's all yeah. it's all no. related. That's true, yeah. And then, and then even on the other side of the O-line coin, like in the running game, um, having Jamal Williams there, who is more of, like, a downhill runner, as opposed to Alvin Kamara, like the last couple of years, we've been trying to, as great as Alvin is, we've been trying to make him like a square peg in a round hole and like trying to make him like a full, like four down running back. when like, he's really not like his best years were like 17, 18, 19, when he was complimented by Mark. And then I guess like Latavius for a little bit, um, but like used as like a versatile satellite back weapon and like, not running him like pounding him between the tackles. So hopefully having uh, Jamal and uh, Kendra there to like take some of that workload off of him and like have running backs who maybe are a little more comfortable, like with some of those running schemes, we'll like, you'll see our yards um, per contact and uh, or yards per carry and like yards before and after contact, like a little, a little bit higher. And then it's all, it's all related. So um, yeah, just, got to be smarter um in terms of our like play calling and and offensive scheming and then uh hopefully Derek Carr's presence will, will elevate the whole situation i have to say jamal williams is like immediately my favorite saint like i i love i love when fellow <laughs> weebs are given uh, a platform to promote the incredible wonderful wacky world of anime um and you know i i get the sense that jamal williams watches a lot of different stuff and he's like actually like really like genuinely a huge fan unlike say um the the bum on the other side of the building zion williamson who just watches naruto and like calls it a day i mean you know at least get some like gundam into your repertoire or something from the 90s I just I can't get enough of Jamal Williams calling out like derpy old white like reporters in the locker room for mispronouncing Pokemon and like not knowing <laughs> what an Eevee is. 
I, I can't get enough of it. Like, I want like everyone who listens to this. Every I just want everyone in my life to be an anime fan, and people like Jamal Williams make that easy for me. There's really only two people. There's two types of people in the world, Sean. There are those who are diehard anime fans and those who have never watched anime. There is no in between. I think you're 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 actually somewhere in the middle. Like your anime fandom is dormant um, because it did exist. As our close friends and anyone who attended your wedding knows, you know you and I, you and I were on the front lines of like the Pokemon craze. We were we it's received. True. You had Pokemon Red and I had Pokemon Blue back in the day. Um, yeah. we, we received copies probably like the week they released in 1998 or whatever. Um, and then, you know, we both became adults and lost our virginity and stopped watching anime for a long time. But I have since rediscovered as everybody knows, and it's, it's changed my life for the better. Um, I feel like you're one show away from that happening again. Um, maybe we'll see. I've got a lot going on. So um, we'll see if I rekindle my, my love. Anyway, uh, next time we'll talk more about anime and Zion and also the defense. We'll talk about all the things that happened on the defense, especially the draft. Um, this was like a weird year where the draft was like we picked all the players that everybody wanted us to pick and addressed all the positions people wanted us to, um, <laughs> which was kind of weird because like we're used to having players like Peyton Turner have their names called. And like nobody even knew who he was when he was drafted. Um, so yeah, good vibes on the defense, but uh, we'll save that for next time. Um, you yes. know, in the biz, in the biz, that's what they call a tease. Um, Will the Saints have a defense this year? Will Dennis Allen have a job? Find out next time on Black and Gold. Yes, on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yes, all right that's what we're going for. i've got i've got i've got a i've got a sponsor i've got a sponsor for our podcast black and gold bs is brought to you by kool-aid the drink you drink when you are hopelessly involved with a cult such as being a saints fan and uh everything is going to be all right and copacetic despite some evidence to the contrary but you know you're drinking that Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Drink it. I know. I'll be drinking it. Hopefully I wake up tomorrow. All right. For Sean Haspel and Allison Whitlock, who will someday be on the podcast again. Um, I'm Jacob Krasno, and this has been Black and Gold BS, the irreverent podcast from Boot Crew Media. Until next time, who dat? Who dat? Who dat?